Well, our scripture reading today is from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. Uh, this is on pages 977 and 978 in the Pew Bible, 977, 978. If you don't own a Bible, uh, please take this one with you. We'd love for you to have it uh, as a gift from us to you. We, we want everyone to, to own God's Word. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Christ, and until the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Paul and Mindy as well for uh, sharing with us about community groups. Really glad uh, to be launching this new session of community groups, and I would just echo uh, what Mindy said. I, Rachel and I, almost every week, I feel like it's like, oh, we get a, one more night away from home, and every night as we drive home, we're so thankful uh, for that group and for the group of people we were with um, that time. Well, my name is uh, Bill Gorman, and I serve as the campus pastor here at the Brookside Campus. Delighted that you're here with us this morning, and uh, we're wrapping up uh, a three-week series that we've been going through just on who we are as a church and, and what God has called us to be. So if you're newer with us this morning, know that what we're doing a little bit this morning is, is a little bit different uh, than what we normally do, um, but we're so glad that you're with us and, uh, and really excited to have taken these, these three weeks to look at where God is taking us as a church family. So we're going to be looking at this passage that Paul read for us uh, a moment ago. And before we do that, I'd love to take a minute and just uh, ask God for his help as we study his word uh, together. So I'm going to pray and and ask him for that now. Father in heaven, we're grateful that you have um, given us the gift of your word, that you have not left us um, to wonder what you think um, or to wonder what you are like. Uh, but you revealed yourself in creation and that you supremely revealed yourself in Jesus um, and that the Bible as a witness to him and reveals the truth about you completely. And uh, just thank you for this treasure that you've given us. Help us to understand it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what makes the difference between a, a good organization and an okay organization? Uh, between a good church and a great church? makes the difference between a a company that's flourishing and a company that's just barely getting by? What makes the difference between strong families and and homes and ones that are chaotic? I think you could make the case that, that leadership in every one of those cases is what makes the difference. Leadership makes the difference. 
And, and yet, however true that may be, and, and I don't know that many of us would dispute that, that, that I think a lot of us are pretty cynical about leadership, aren't we? I mean, I know I can be often. I mean, politically, we hear constantly that, that, that Congress or the president or the states need to take more leadership or are failing to lead in some way. And, and there are thousands upon thousands of books and blogs and podcasts on leadership and probably thousands and thousands more books on used bookstores that people read and were not helped by on leadership. And, and yet probably the one website that captures how a lot of us really feel about leadership is, is Despair.com. You know I love Despair.com. Well, this is what uh, Despair.com says about leaders. Uh, I have a slide here, um, I think. There we go. So leaders, uh, leaders are like eagles, that we don't have either of them here. Um, I don't know if you feel like that in, in your workplace or your corporation. I hope that's not true at Christ's community. Um, but recently, Rachel and I have been re-watching uh, The Office, uh, gone back on Netflix and sort of re-watching um, The Office. And, and I don't know what you thought about how the show ended. I stopped watching it season five. I don't know how it ended. But those first few seasons were just absolute satirical gold when it comes to leadership. And I think all of us at one time or another have, have suffered under sort of a, a Michael Scott type of leader uh, in our lives. For me, it was when I was working at the, the library in college and um, yeah, just was, was a really difficult work environment in a lot of ways. And some of you are probably thinking, man, Bill worked at the library in college. This guy's a bigger geek than I even, I even thought. This is confirming maybe things I, I thought. But yeah, worked at the library. It was not a good place uh, at the time. Um, we know that good leadership really does make a difference. But we all have experienced poor leadership, and it's, it's easy to recognize poor leadership when we see it. And yet, I think when it comes to talking about leadership, especially in the local church, I think a lot of us can be wary at best. And, and like I said with the beginning, we're, we're in this third week of a series in, in Ephesians looking at who has God called Christ's community to be as a local church. And, and as we desire to be a, a caring family, multiplying disciples, influencing our community and world for Jesus Christ, we, we, these three weeks we said there are three big things that we're about as a church, that we're about multiplying churches, that we're about multiplying disciples, and we're about multiplying leaders. Now, the first two of those, multiplying churches and multiplying disciples, those probably make sense, right? I mean, churches start other churches. That, that's kind of a, yeah, it makes sense. Discipleship, the churches are about helping people understand who Jesus is, helping them follow him and, and become more like him. That's discipleship. But multiplying leaders? I don't know. I think this is where a lot of us can start to get a little bit wary. What does this mean to, to multiply leaders? Is that what the church should really be about? Some of us, when we hear leadership talk in the local church, we we start to get concerned that the church is just sort of uncritically adopting the principles and culture of corporate America. And in some cases, that has been true. I mean, the church isn't a Fortune 500 company. It, it shouldn't be that. And yet it doesn't mean that, that good leadership isn't vital to a healthy local church. Others of us, when we hear the language of leadership in the local church, we, we kind of feel like maybe it's just not spiritual enough. I mean, isn't Jesus the head of the church? I mean, aren't we, we're not supposed to be leading, we're supposed to be following. We're supposed to follow Jesus. Isn't, Jesus says, come follow me. This, the church isn't about leadership, it's about, it's about following. And, and again, there's, there's some truth to this. We are first and foremost followers of Jesus. 
But as we will see as we look at this passage this morning, that, that Jesus gives the gift of, of leaders and leadership to the church to, to carry out his plan under his authority. Still, for others of us, when we hear the language of leadership in the local church, um, we get concerned because we were a part of a church growing up or maybe before we came to Christ community where church leadership was all about status. It was all about control. It was about a power and authority. What committee were you on? And, and what, you know, were you an elder? Were you a deacon? Were you on the whatever committee? And, and, and you hated that. And, and rightly so. So this morning as we look at Ephesians chapter 4, what we're going to see is this perhaps shocking reality that, that not only is local church leadership deeply biblical, but, but also that you, that every one of you, students, children, adults, every one of you has been rescued to lead. You've been rescued to lead. Uh, you, you can't separate it. If Jesus has rescued you, he's rescued you to lead, not, not to sit, not to, to take up space, not simply to, to go to heaven when all of this is over, but to lead, to be a person of influence in the church and in the world. If you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, if you're a student, if you, if you own your own business or work in a cubicle or if you work on the factory line or in the fast food line, wherever it is that God has placed you, you have been rescued to lead. Christ community, we passionately believe that, that leadership is deeply biblical and, and therefore necessary to a healthy local church. So this morning, as we look at Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to see three things. We're going to see the, the who of multiplying leaders. We're going to see the, the what of multiplying leaders. And then we're finally going to see the why. So, so the who, the what, and then the Why? So first, let's take a look at the who of multiplying leaders. And we think about the who of multiplying leaders in the church. There's really two who's we need to keep in mind. And, and the first one is you. We've already said this, that you are a leader. Now, again, you might be sitting here thinking, Bill, I'm, I'm not in charge of anything. Uh, maybe you're a student. You're like, I'm not even on any of the student leadership committees. Or maybe you think, in my work, I'm at the lowest level. I'm, Bill, I'm not a leader. I don't, I'm not in charge of anything. But when we look back at the very first few pages of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, what we find is that every one of us was created and designed with leadership and influence in mind. All human beings, every one of us, bears the image of God. And part of what it means to bear God's image, to be made in his likeness, is to have influence to have dominion over the creation that God has entrusted to us for its care and cultivation. Now again, you might not think of yourself as a person of influence or, or having a, a, any authority over anything, um, especially if you're younger and you're, just, you're in school and it's like, I, I don't feel like I have authority over anything. But every one of us has authority, has control, has leadership over at least a tiny little bit of creation. Every one of us does. And that tiny little piece is, is our bodies. That, that even if you are not in charge of anything else, God has at least given you control over what you do with your body, the words that come out of your mouth, the th thoughts that you think, how you take care of this, of this part of creation that God has entrusted you with. But many of us have a lot more. Maybe, maybe if you're a kid, it's just you have a little bit of leadership over your room, how you take care of it in a family, in a workplace, in a career. Some of us have been given massive amounts of leadership and influence 
for the good of our city. But the point is that we are designed to lead and to exercise care over creation in creative and selfless ways. And every one of us has a little part of that, even if it's only over our own bodies. All of us have power and influence, if, if only that. And many of us have much, much more. Now, again, you might be thinking at this point, but, but I thought in the Bible that, that leadership was a gift. Isn't leadership one of the spiritual gifts, Bill? And, and if you're saying that every one of us is a leader, how can that be true if, if leadership is a gift and, and not everyone has that gift? And, and you're right. Leadership is one of the spiritual gifts that's listed in Romans chapter 12. It's part of one of these unique gifts that God has given to certain people in greater measure. But this doesn't mean that we aren't all capable of being leaders and that we shouldn't work to cultivate our ability as leaders. Because, for example, um, hospitality and generosity are also listed as specific spiritual gifts. But the Bible is also clear that every one of us is to be generous and hospitable, whether or not we have a special gift, a supernatural gifting in those areas. And the same is true with leadership. God does give certain people supernatural, extraordinary abilities as leaders, but all of us are called to exercise influence and to lead, even if we're not specially gifted in that area. There's a second key, who, when we think about leadership. And that's Jesus. Because you notice what Paul wrote in verse 7. He says, grace was given to each one of us. And, and he says that each one of us, every Christian, Paul is saying, receives grace. Why did we need grace? Because we have rebelled. Again, if we go back to those first pages of the Bible, we see that we have rebelled, that we've misused our leadership. That's why we had to be rescued to lead. Because we wanted autonomy. We didn't want to lead under God's rule and authority. Leadership became about power and control and influence for my kingdom. What we see in Genesis chapter 3 is that that ushered in death and oppression and abuse. So many of the negative things that we associate with leadership. This is always the case when we try to lead on our own that oppression, abuse, even death eventually follow. But now Jesus has rescued us to fulfill our original calling and design as people created in his image to lead. The victory of the Son of Jesus, and that's what Paul is talking about here in, in 4 through 7, or 4, 7 through 11, is, brings about that rescue. Jesus has defeated everything evil, and he now dispenses gifts to his church to partner in the work of ministry. This means that leadership is at its core followership. That leadership is at its core followership, that we can only lead well if we are first following Jesus. You've got to remember that, that leadership is first and foremost about following Jesus, the one who has rescued us in order to lead under his authority. Those are the kinds of leaders we want, right? Leaders who are are leading under the authority of Jesus, who are leading like Jesus, full of of humility and self-sacrifice and integrity. Those are the kinds of leaders that at Christ's community we are committed to multiplying, and just one of the many ways that we try to do this as a church family is, is through our, our pastoral fellowship program. And many of you have heard me talk about the fellowship program, which, which takes seminary graduates and helps them become local church leaders. And I was privileged enough to get to be a part of one of the very first classes of fellows back in 2008. And it was truly life-changing for me, working alongside of experienced, humble, integral pastors who not only knew how to study the Bible and deliver a message 
but, but who also modeled a servant leadership and selfless pastoral care, slowly transformed me from a seminary scholar into a local church shepherd. And as of today, we have 19 current and past fellows. I think I've got a picture here of, was taken a little while back. These are pastoral fellows that are serving all over the country in nine different cities from, from Charlotte, South Carolina to San Francisco, California. They're doing incredible things around the country. And we as a local church got to be a part of just a small part of their journey and how God is using them for the good and the glory of Christ and his church and in the world. This is just one of the many ways that we're committed to helping develop leaders for the local church and beyond for the common good. So the question for us here is, is what has God called you to lead? In, in your school, in your workplace, in your home, maybe with your brothers and sisters, parents of your kids? What about in your neighborhood or on your block? These are all places where, where you can have influence where you do have influence. It's not a matter of whether you have it or not. You have influence. You are affecting the world around you. But, but in, are you doing it intentionally or are you doing it thoughtlessly? You've been rescued to lead. Ask God where he's calling you to serve. Ask him to help you see how you are leading and where you can lead more effectively for him and his glory. Okay, so that's the who of leadership. Actually, we want to look at the what. What is, is all of this multiplying leaders about? What is the what here? <laughs> and Paul gives us the what in verses 11 and 12 in chapter 4 that Paul read these for us earlier, but I'll read them again. He says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. You see, the goal of leaders in the local church is to multiply leaders who do the work of the ministry for the building up of the body. Now, there's two words in that verse, those verses I just read, that, that can probably trip us up. Uh, words saints and, and ministry. I mean, those are two of about as churchy words as you can get. Uh, and I want to just take a moment to say, okay, what do those words actually mean? If you've been around church for a long time, they probably just go in and out. You don't even think about them. If you're newer to church, you think, saints, ministry, I, this doesn't have anything to do with me. Well, so first of all, what does saints mean? Saints is simply the way that Paul refers to all believers Oftentimes we think of, of a Catholic saint or someone in stained glass when we think of, of saints, but saints are simply ones who are set apart, who are holy, which Paul says everyone is in Christ, who's trusted Christ. If you are a Christian, then you are a saint. You're set apart in Christ. So when Paul says for the, the building up of the saints, he's saying for the building up of everyone in the church who follows Jesus. The second word there is ministry. And again, I think when most of us think of ministry, we think of what pastors, what, what ministers do, right? So weddings and funerals and preaching sermons and, and counseling. And that doesn't, that's, for most of us, that's not our, our life. But the word ministry really just, it, it simply means servant. It means service. And actually, there's lots of, of non-religious contexts where we hear the language of ministry all the time, right? In parliamentary forms of government, you have ministers, ministers of information or ministries of, 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 of war or uh, of public health, right? So you hear this in the news, the ministry of health or the minister of information. It simply means servant. In fact, in the Old Testament, there's a word, a Hebrew word, avodah, which can be translated servant. It can be translated work. It can be translated worship. 
See, in the Bible, it doesn't know these boundaries of sort of church work and other sorts of work. Every one of us was created to minister to serve in the world that God has made. All of us work, whether at home, in the office, at school, work in the service of Christ and his world. You are doing ministry, you are doing service whether you understand it or realize it or not. You see, in the church ought to be a place where the very best leaders in the world are being developed. Because like I said at the beginning, it's easy to look around at our world and to complain and criticize the lack of leadership in the church and in our city, in business community, in the government, right? But that's just it. It, it, It's easy to complain. What's hard is doing something about it. And I'll tell you right now, multiplying leaders isn't easy. But it's way better than just complaining. And that's why we're so committed to developing leaders, both for the local church and for beyond the church, into the world. That's why we partner with organizations both locally and and globally who are committed to multiplying leaders. Uh, For example, two of our key partners here in Kansas City, the the Hope Center in Kansas City, Missouri, uh, and Mission Adelante in Kansas City, Kansas, both of them, as part of their community development work, have explicit sort of leaders in training programs for students and children in their communities. They're committed to developing leaders because they recognize that community development only happens when you have leaders that live in that community, who are from that community. It's why we partner with organizations like Elam in Iran and Calm in East Africa who are committed to developing the next generation of pastoral leaders in those difficult contexts. It's also why within the local church, we want our kids and our students and our adults together as much as possible, worshiping together, serving together, playing together. See, we we need one another. We want to pour into each other to equip one another to do his will. Parents, again, your, your kids need to see you worshiping, to taking your faith seriously. And kids, it's not as though you are the leadership of tomorrow when somehow all of us are, are gone. You are leading now. You've been rescued to lead now. And one of our, our newest and most exciting initiatives, and we think about developing leadership, is, is in its early stages. But I want to begin to introduce it to you this morning. We have a video to do that. So take a look at this. Not long after I, I finished school, um, Carol and I were married. We were living in a, a different city uh, from where we grew up in, in down south. Um, I had been been working for a while, just early in my career, and felt like there was a gap in connecting my faith with my, the workplace. I had really no mentors. I had, was searching for someone that was in my field of expertise in the finance area, looking for a, a mentor and was unable to find one. We had contemplated uh, going into the mission field. We had contemplated, do we just stay in the States? And as we looked, we just found there wasn't very many people out there to really help us, to give us any kind of direction. And um, as a result, Kevin just made an appointment with one of the pastors in our church there to ask him, you know, what what should we do? How should we do this? And um, that's where we got our counsel because we just we couldn't find anybody else. I was continuing in my career in the finance area. I was having opportunities to grow and, and build the skill set, but I still had this 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 question: is okay? Am I doing everything I can for the for using my faith in the marketplace? And could I someday 
uh, help others who had struggled, kind of like I had early, early on in my career. And so continued to work and have been just very blessed to have built some strong relationships in the business community in Kansas City. And again, had this question about, is there something next? At this point, was um, introduced to the concept of the Fellows Initiative. So Kevin came home from a weekend elder retreat, and he was really excited about the direction the church was thinking about going and developing a fellows program for people in the marketplace and the workforce. And I was not so excited. I really actually thought he was a little crazy, and I'm thinking, you, you want to be involved in this? And how much do you want to be involved in this? And so I came into the picture a little bit dragging my feet, and, um, but I agreed to go last fall to a conference in Virginia to meet some of the program directors and the students, and I was so blown away by um, the caliber of student, um, by the kids that um, were really seeking um, to find where God had called them. And it was just so exciting and thrilling to be a part of that and to see these kids so excited about life and about faith and um, starting well. Over the next year, we'll be uh, creating a nine-month program that starts in August of 2015. And it will, cons it will be bringing in new college grads, just having come out of, out of school. And we want to uh, bring them uh, into this program where they can do four primary things. Number one, live. Living um, together here in Kansas City in various homes working and in internships around the area. The fellows can come in for a three day, uh, three days a week working in the marketplace in their various callings. And then the, uh, the study, we're planning to uh, partner with Trinity Evangelical Divinity School to provide master's level education so they will get college credit for being a part of this program. And then finally, the serving element where you can serve, the fellows will serve both in the community and also within the body of Christ community. As we were contemplating the Fellows Program, we really felt like this may be the missing piece that we felt uh, was needed in our life years ago when we were starting out right after college. So that's, that was what was really intriguing and continues to be extremely intriguing in terms of how can we help others come through this journey and start well? How can we help them lay a firm foundation for the future? So this really is a team effort. We need your help. We believe in multiplying leaders in our community for the church for tomorrow, and we are committed to doing that. And we feel like the Fellows Program is a great opportunity and platform to do that. So we're excited about the program. We really hope you come alongside and uh, partner with us together in this area. So we're really excited about this new type of fellow that we're going to be having at Christ Communities, Marketplace Fellows. And uh, Kevin said the video that's going to be uh, people right out of undergrad coming, spending time thinking about how do they integrate faith and work while getting experience working in the marketplace. I can only imagine if, if I were uh, a finance major getting to hang out with Kevin Rockman, of, you know, former CEFO of, of, uh, of Garmin, and getting to spend time and actually working in a place like Garmin. 
um, and debriefing and all of that would come together. So we're really excited about that. And the really cool thing that Kevin mentioned too, I don't know if you caught it, but that we're going to become uh, offering uh, seminary level credit, master's level credit through Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. But those courses are going to be open to all of us. We're going to become an, a Trinity Extension site in Kansas City so that if you want to learn more, take seminary classes, that's going to be something that you'll be able to do um, even as we begin to establish this, this fellows program. So we're really excited about that. You saw the website at the end. would encourage you um, to take a look. You're going to be hearing lots more about that, um, something we're really, really excited about, a new way of continuing to multiply leaders uh, to give away um, for the good of the church and for the good of God's world. So again, the question for us here is, is do we see all of our work, paid and unpaid, as, as ministry, as service? And, and how are we involved in qu- equipping others? Again, no matter what your gift set, your skill set, there are ways that you can be involved in equipping other people. Our middle school and high school students that Paul was speaking about earlier are regularly involved every Sunday morning in serving with our children. Our older children are actually able to be involved in serving with our younger children on Sunday mornings as well. As you mentor coworkers, as you raise children, as you serve in student or children's ministries, you are doing the work of equipping and multiplying leaders. So we've looked at the who and the what, and then finally we want to look at, at the why, the why of multiplying leaders. Why has God designed the local church to be a place of multiplying leaders? Why is this so important? Well, because leaders make the difference between equipped people and unprepared people. They make the difference between faithful people and confused people. They make the difference between grown-up people and immature people. Listen to what Paul writes here in verses 14 through 16. He says, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by joint with it, which is equipped When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's the big why, that we would be like Christ, that we would grow into maturity. You have been rescued to lead so that you and others may become mature in Christ. You've been rescued to lead in order that you and others might become mature in Christ. That's why we as a church family, so that we would have unity, knowledge, maturity, instead of being tossed about like children. Good leadership ensures that people remain fruitful and faithful throughout their lives. And Paul warns us here that unless good leadership is in place, that people will constantly be tossed about with no stability. And actually, I love how theologian and um, leader Al Mohler shows the importance of both conviction, knowledge, along with the ability to read. This is a little bit longer quote, and I have it up on the screen, but I think it's worth it. I love the clarity which he brings. He says, if our leaders are not passionately driven by right beliefs, we are headed for disaster. He's absolutely right. If our leaders are not passionately driven by right beliefs, we are headed for disaster. At the same time, though, if believers cannot lead, we are headed nowhere. Muller says, my goal is to redefine Christian leadership so that it is inseparable from passionately held beliefs and to motivate those who are deeply committed to the truth to be ready for leadership. And he says, I love this. I want to see a generation arise that is simultaneously leading with conviction and driven by the conviction to lead. The generation that accomplishes this will set the world on fire. 
is those sorts of leaders who will make our city the best place in the world to live. It is those sorts of leaders who will start companies that will be the best places to work. It is those sorts of men and women and children and students who will bring joy and hope and life and love, who will bring the gospel to a world that is full of hurt and despair and loss and fear. You see, the measure of Christian maturity, the measure of maturity in Christ is love. Paul bookends that in those verses that we just read. Love that is full of grace and truth, love that sacrifices itself for the sake of others. So the question for us here is, are we continuing to develop as leaders? Are we continuing to grow both in right beliefs and in the ability to lead? Are we simultaneously growing in our ability to lead with conviction and increasingly driven by the conviction to lead? And the question is, okay, Bill, so I, I, that sounds good. How do I do that? How do I grow as a leader? I think the best way, really the only way, is to practice. Leadership is something, yes, you can read books, you can go to seminars, you can do this, it's important, but the best way is to practice. Practice with a willingness to receive honest feedback. So, so get out there and try something. Lead something. And, and then be willing to receive feedback, honest feedback. Give honest feedback to others. There, there's too much at stake for us just to give nice, empty compliments to one another. This is a community project as we help one another grow and develop into the people that God has called us to be, to be the leaders that he's called us to be in our community and in our church. Another way is to jump into our Razor's Leadership Pathway. Paul mentioned that briefly earlier. It's on Wednesday evenings this fall, and, and currently we have well over 100 people involved in Razor's across our campuses who have signed up and said, yeah, I'm going to do this this fall. And it's been something that we've done from the very beginning of Christ's community. For all of our 25 years of, of the church's history, we've had a leadership pathway. And I'm convinced that one of the reasons that Christ's community is as healthy as a church that it is today is that we've had an intentional way of developing leaders in the church. So leaders never stop learning, never stop growing. So how are you continuing to grow in your leadership? Consider that question this week. Ask God to help you to grow in all that he has created to you to be. You were created with influence in mind. Leadership is a high and hard calling. And it's a calling that God has placed on each and every one of our lives. You have been rescued to lead. And leadership is nothing less than self-sacrificial service. Jesus said in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verse 45, that for the Son of Man, that's Jesus' way of talking about himself, for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. When we lead like Jesus, it means serving, it means picking up the basin and towel, it means sacrificing ourselves for others. The heart of leadership is service. The glory of leadership is sacrifice, not self-promotion. Jesus is the ultimate leader who gives his life for those whom he loves and whom he leads. And that is why he is worthy of following to the ends of the earth, no matter what the risks. Because he has already won everything for you. And has loved you to the point of going to the cross. Let's pray together.
Lord God, you have created us in your image, sharing with us the joy of caring for your good creation and equipping us through Christ with all that is needed for fruitful building up of your church. But we, we confess that we have often misused the influence and dominion that you've given to us to do things that benefit us rather than in caring for those around us. We have clung to comfort and security rather than entrusting to you our lives rather than trusting you in your wisdom and goodness. In fear, we have shied away from what you have called us to be. You've called us to be salt and light, and we've often shied away from that in our homes, in our workplaces, in our community. Merciful God, would you forgive us for our selfishness, for our apathy, for our unbelief. Forgive us for our quickness to judge, to find fault in our leaders. Lord, quiet our critical spirits and help us to honor and celebrate those whom you have appointed to lead, remembering that to honor them is to honor you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we celebrate communion on a weekly basis here at the Brookside Campus of Christ Community.